In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The three shepherd children of Fatima described Our Lady as a woman clothed with the sun, which shows forth that we are living in apocalyptic times, alluding to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, when a great sign was seen in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun who goes to war against the huge red dragon, Satan. As Sister Lucia stated that the devil is in the mood of engaging in a decisive battle against the Blessed Virgin. Of course, we all know the assured victor or victress, namely Our Lady. It is already foretold in the book of Genesis, and she will crush your head while you lie and wait for her heel. And at Fatima, she prophesies that in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph and peace will come to the world. Mary is all light. She is not the sun, but she is clothed with the divine light of her son. On this day back in 1917, there was, an, was the usual flash of great light that announced Our Lady's appearance. She appeared dressed all in white as if made of light. And the kneeling, ecstatic figures of the three shepherd children were transfigured in a light that seemed to change the spot into a holy of holies, filled with the very majesty of God. And when the children were asked why they lowered their eyes frequently and stopped looking at Our Lady, they answered because she is often dazzling. When she departed in her apparition, she serenely ascended toward the east, surrounded by a light that seemed to open up a path before her into the depths of the stars. Now, if contemplating the vast size of astronomical objects makes you feel rather puny and insignificant, then this discovery will make you even feel positively infinitesimal. In other words, punier than puny. Not too long ago, astronomers have discovered a supermassive black hole that's 40 billion times as massive as our own sun. Located in the center of the supergiant elliptical galaxy called Hollenberg 15A, some 700 million light years away from planet Earth, and thank God. Because just to explain a light year, today astronomers are fairly confident that our Milky Way galaxy is probably between 100,000 and 150,000 light years across. The observable universe is, of course, much, much, much larger. According to current thinking, it is about 93 billion light years in diameter. 
A light year has a distance of about six trillion miles. I thought I'd do a lot of driving. I do about 20,000 miles on my car each year, about six trillion, uh, trillion miles. Let me tell you, it would take man with the speed of the fastest rockets that he has little under 20,000 years just to travel one light year. But thank God this super massive black hole is 700 million light years away. So what is a black hole? A black hole is a collapsed star which exerts an enormous inward magnetic power on nearby objects. It consumes and draws into itself everything that comes near it, such as asteroids, comets, and stellar particles. At the center of a black hole, matter is compressed and crushed into zero volume. Its infinitely strong gravitational force squeezes matter out of existence. It is so powerful that it even devours light. Brothers and sisters, and that's exactly what Satan does. He devours the light. He is the prince of darkness. He is a fallen angel. He is a collapsed star. We call him the star of the abyss. And with his frightful and extraordinary power in the world today, he seeks everywhere to annihilate the light because to the very core of his dreadful being, he is anti-light, anti-truth, and anti-Christ. And this preternatural black hole is striving to extinguish the very light of the church, which is the light of the world. Our Lady tells us in our messages to Father Stefano Gobi, I knew Father Stefano Gobi at the Marian movement personally, met him many, many times. And his cause of canonization is going forward. But Our Lady tells us this is a time of darkness. This is Satan's hour. This is the time of his greatest triumph. Truly for my church, this is the hour of the power of darkness. Today, such darkness seems to pervade this edifice. The darkness spreads and the smoke of Satan seems to cover everything. How many souls today have been swept away by this darkness which has pervaded the whole church? She even tells us that the darkness has last obscured even the tabernacle, the Eucharist. Last year there was a poll taken that seven out of every ten self-described Catholics in this country do not believe in the real and true presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Thank God for Father James, he has the tabernacle situated right in the center of this shrine. And that's where the tabernacle should be, in the most prominent place in the church, meaning the center. How many have lost faith in the real and true presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament? And to us, consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, she tells us, you yourself must be the living gospel in order to oppose with your light 
the great darkness which is growing ever denser throughout my church. In the darkness of this hour of trial for the church, you are called by me to walk in the light of my immaculate heart. Now, believe it or not, on May 13th, which is the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, on May 13th last year, the woman clothed with the sun, the feast of her feast, astronomers said that they observed the supermassive black hole closest to the Earth, glowing with unprecedented brightness, and they couldn't understand why. The black hole known as Sagittarius A is four million times as massive as our own sun and about 26,000 light years from Earth, and thank God. Although no visible light can escape the gravitational pull of a black hole, they saw a massive light getting 75 times larger and brighter in the space of two hours, coming from the center of that supernova black hole, leaving astronomers scratching their heads. Brothers and sisters, fortunately for us in the spiritual world, there is a power that exceeds that of this preternatural black hole, Satan, and that is Mary. She is the star of the sea whose light cannot be blotted out. She is the dazzling queen of light who illuminates the darkest of nights. Just as at Fatima, she told us, my immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. So too, she tells us through her Marian movement of priests, which was actually born out of Fatima back in 1972. My immaculate heart will be your refuge and your light. I myself will be your light. Each day that passes, this heart will be more and more your only light. The light shines forth from my immaculate heart and comes to envelop you and illuminate your path. The more this darkness will descend upon the world and into the church, the clearer will be the light, which will shine forth from my immaculate heart to show you the way. Walk always in this light. To us who are consecrated to her immaculate heart, she tells us, we will be persecuted. For the time will come when we will be the only light left burning. Remember Jesus, the light who came into the world, but the world preferred the darkness to the light. If the world persecutes you, hates you, know that it hated me first. Yes, we will be persecuted for the time will come when we will be the only light left burning, faithful to the gospel. And through our sufferings, we will be able to point out the way of salvation to a vast number of souls. And through her intervention, this light of ours will never be completely extinguished. Just as she is clothed in the sun, she is clothing us with her light in the current great darkness, and as the darkness envelops everything, this light of ours, which is her light, must shine even more resplendently. You know, I was in Rome, I think it was last year, 
or maybe two years ago, when a young 28-year-old woman was introduced to me with a demonic possession. And through medical, psychological examinations, the church in Bolivia had assigned her an exorcist for many years. Have you ever seen the movie Emily Rose based on true events? God can sometimes allow possessions to bring about a greater good. And this girl was possessed since she was in her mother's womb. God allowed the hex put on the mother to affect the child. And I met her when, I when she was introduced to me. She spoke Spanish. I haven't got a word of Spanish. The sisters tell me up in the Carmelite monastery, your father, you have to learn Spanish. Huh. I'm too old to learn Spanish. I'm waiting for the second Pentecost. It'll come easy. <laughs> so, hola, see, si, and no, that's about it. So the woman who introduced her to me, she was my interpreter. And I understood this situation because I dealt with another victim soul who was, who was possessed since she was in the womb. She is 52 years of age. And through that young woman, the devil threatened my life one day. He says, you, I'm going to kill you. You're going off a cliff tomorrow. Are you afraid of me? I said, why should I be afraid of you? You don't usually converse with the evil. Why should I be, be afraid of you? I've got Jesus and Mary with me. And you know what the demon said to me? And there was many people in the room. Yes, I can't touch you. You're consecrated to her. So anyway, I was speaking. I was conversing with this young woman from Bolivia. And after about 10 minutes speaking to her, the woman who was interpreting said, Father, can you stop for a minute? Jesus gave her a message yesterday. And here is the message, and she took it out of her pocket. She wasn't writing what I was saying. And Jesus said, tomorrow you will meet a priest, and everything I have told you in this message, he will repeat to you. Everything that I, was, I said to her was in that, that message that Jesus had given her. And that night I was blessing religious objects, with exorcism prayers, you know, saying Benedict medals and the holy water. You know, sometimes I go and bless houses and I say, do you have holy water? Oh yeah, I have a bucket of holy water here, Father. And I throw it on the grass. He said, what did you do that for, Father? He says, I don't know if it's blessed. Some priests just do that over the water. Go to another priest. There's exorcism prayers to be put all over the salt and the water, which gives it that sacramental, its efficacy against the evil one. And when I was exercising these sacramentals, the young lady in question went into a possessive state. And her whole face became absolutely contorted. It wasn't her. I've never seen, nobody could do this with her face. Her eyes went black. Her language unknown bent painfully over a chair and her spittle became like projectiles. Let me tell you, this woman 
if you, if spit could kill you, do you put her in the army? They were like bullets. And to be quite honest with you, I felt inadequate without my set of de deliverance prayers. But all of a sudden, an exorcist from Lebanon came into the room with absolute authority, and he took over and exorcised the demon in Aramaic. He asked me to assist them. And let me tell you, it was a sight to behold. The exorcism took 20 minutes, and the young lady was freed, liberated from the grip of the devil after 28 years of bondage. And after her liberation, it was like heaven dwelling on earth in her soul. And so it will be with Holy Mother Church. The church seems today to be possessed by the demons of darkness. No doubt there has been a demonic infiltration by the enemies of God, preparing the way for Rome to become the seat of Antichrist, as Our Lady stated at last Salette. When I first met Father Stefano Gobi, the first thing he said to me was, all hell is let loose on earth today. In our messages, she tells us, with Lucifer are fighting all the demons who are in these times being poured out of hell upon the earth in order to lead the greatest possible number of souls to perdition. Yes, all the forces of evil have been let loose. Even St. Bridget of Sweden prophesied that 40 years before the year 2000, the devil will be let set loose on earth. When all will seem lost, God himself will suddenly bring all evil to an end. She tells, she tells us in message 83 of the Marian movement, it is necessary that my enemy have the impression of having conquered everything, of having everything now in his hands. This is why he will be permitted to penetrate even into the interior of the church and will succeed in plunging the sanctuary of God into darkness. He will reap the greatest number of victims from amongst the ministers of the sanctuary. In message eight, she tells us that priests are betraying the gospel to second the great satanic error of Marxism. You know, what is happening to our priests? Pray for your priests. You know, I told you that I love Hogan's heroes. But you know, uh, Sergeant Schultz reminds me of the priests today. I see no evil, I hear no evil, I know no evil. Why aren't they speaking up today? Evil triumphs when good people say nothing and do nothing. And it is especially because of them that the chastisement of communism will soon come. You know, she foretold at Fatima that Russia will be the instrument of chastisement chosen by heaven to punish the whole world if we do not beforehand obtain the conversion of that poor nation. Let me, let me remind you with the presidential election coming up that you are not baptized a Democrat. You are not baptized a Republican. 
You are baptized into Jesus Christ, and that's what determines your vote in this upcoming election. And the number one non-negotiable issue is abortion. And no Christian in good conscience can vote for the Democratic Party, which is a death cult. And as for the charlatan Joe Biden, I can't believe that no one is calling him out of his, with his hypocrisy today. He calls himself a good practicing Catholic, yet he is pro-abortion in every circumstance onto term. That, brothers and sisters, is an oxymoron. Abortion is a sin and cries out for vengeance before Almighty God. Know your four sins that cry out for vengeance before Almighty God, and that is one of them. In fact, Jesus told Faustina that the grievous of all offenses to God is the killing of the unborn. And Biden even wants to codify Roe versus Wade into federal law. It is a scandal, brothers and sisters, that so-called politicians vote for bills which fund or otherwise advance abortion. They should be, should be named, publicly shamed, refuse Holy Communion, and admonished so that they can cease their evil and return to Almighty God. Be careful, brothers and sisters, that you do not give your vote to Caesar rather than to Jesus Christ. We have no king except Caesar is a cry that re-echoes today. Biden is presently riding the red dragon with his Marxist party. They call themselves social democrats, but so did Lenin call his communist party social democrats. You can try to put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. <laughs> Communism, brothers and sisters, is the antithesis of Christianity. Hideous, destructive, wicked, and perverted are only some of the adjectives used by previous popes to describe socialism and communism. Communism is the most vicious idea in human history, one that has murdered, enslaved, and ruined more lives than any other, and that idea comes from the father of lies. Jesus is allowing his church to endure such darkness today and betrayal in these end times. But suddenly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, he will exercise the church and the world and disperse all darkness and evil, and we will witness the new heavens and the new earth. As Our Lady has prophesied, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph and peace will come to the world. It's going to be beautiful. The devastating fire that ravished the beautiful cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris 
As Catholics all over the world, we're celebrating the central mysteries of redemption, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at the Easter Tridium last year. Should have been a sobering reflection on the attacks upon the infinite beauty of the faith that has been engulfed in flames for decades within the church. The world watched in horror as the heart of worship in France, the eldest daughter of the church, was engulfed in flames. And even more horrific is to see the church imploding within and the beautiful faith and tradition go up in flames. But just as we celebrated the Paschal mystery of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, a year ago when Notre Dame went up, so too one day soon we will celebrate the Paschal mystery of the churches, Christ's mystical bodies, passion, death, and resurrection. Brothers and sisters, are we on the verge of the sinking of this titanic church, which is now weathering her greatest storm? Will Holy Mother Church sink beneath the waves of worthiness, materialism, sensuality, modernism, liberalism, neo-paganism, socialism, and communism, and the plots and the plans of her many enemies? As Cardinal Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI stated at the Good Friday Meditations in 205 that the church looks like a boat about to sink, a boat taking in water from every side. Now I refer to the church as a titanic ship because the titanic was in its day the largest ship in the world, just as the Catholic church is the largest and only church, true church in the world. The Titanic sailed on a real sea. The Catholic Church is sailing on the sea of life and history. Today, we must look to Mary, the star of the sea, the mother of good hope. You know, sail sailors before the age of electronics depended on the stars to mark their course in the immense ocean. And from here comes the analogy with the Blessed Virgin Mary, who, like the star of the sea, guides us through the difficult waters of life toward the safe port that is Christ. Scientists now, in the age of telescopes and computers, have estimated that there's a mind-blowing 300 sextillion stars in the known universe. That's the number three with 23 zeros afterwards. Three trillion times one billion stars. And they say the fool, the fool says there is no God. And of all the many spiritual stars, of which there are many, none exceeds the magnitude of Our Lady, whom we call the Star of the Sea. You know, Venerable Mary of Agrida, a conceptionist nun, and a great mystic of the 17th century left us a mystical classic called The City of God, which is basically the dictation of Our Lady's life to us. It's a good read. And in it, she tells us that St. John, wishing to protect her from the persecution developing in Jerusalem, moved her to the town of Ephesus in present-day Turkey. And according to Our Lady, this was the first time she made a sea voyage. She marveled 
at the might and the beauty of the ocean, discerning the greatness, the power, and the charm of her son, written in its glistening movements. And she praised God for this, his mighty work. Do you know that 70% of the Earth's surface is covered by ocean? And less than 5% of Earth's oceans have been explored to date. And an incredible 94% of the Earth's living species exist within the oceans. Now, out of the marine life that I'm not so fond of is sharks. I have a scuba diving license. And my best friend over in Perth, Australia, invited me to go scuba diving off Shark Island. Well, Shark Island just put me off. And I had just received my citizenship in this country, and so I brought my passport about 10 days before. And I read in a newspaper that an American had just got eaten by a shark off Shark Island. <laughs> I said, forget it, it's going after US citizens. And he said, look at the size of me, it'll go after me first. And I said, yeah, but the mother shark will take a bite out of you and say, and spit you out and say, this seal is too rubbery, let's go for the leaner one. So not too fond of sharks. And it was said that in this voyage, Our Lady also sensed how terrible a menace the sea can be when aroused to those sailing it. Yes, the ocean poses many dangers to man, whether to be icebergs, marine life, or just the sheer power and force of the sea when aroused. So in her maternal concern, she asks her son to grant her the, the, the particular privilege to be a safe haven to all who invoke her at sea at such times of peril. At this prayer, our Lord granted her the awesome title of Star of the Sea and the assurance to all those who invoke her on the ocean never to perish by its rage, raging might. Now on the southernmost tip of Africa there is a cape which juts out right into the ocean. It is now called the Cape of Good Hope. But that wasn't always its name. For centuries ago the sailors who sailed the Indian Ocean were afraid to sail around it why? Because the seas were just too rough, the waves too high, and the winds so strong that it was called the Cape of Storms or the Cape of Tempests. And the first man to sail safely around it was the great explorer Vasco da Gama. And he took his ship through the rough and swirling seas and brought it safely around the Cape of Tempests. And to give hope to all who were to, to follow him, the Gama changed the name from the Cape of Tempest to the Cape of Good Hope. Brothers and sisters, God knows that the seas of life are hard and dangerous to sail upon. He knows that man is afraid, for he himself said, do not be afraid, I have conquered the world. And so he has given us good hope by making his mother for us the star of the sea. And in conclusion, I don't know if you remember the 33 copper and gold miners that got trapped in darkness under 1.5 million pounds of rock a half a mile beneath the Earth's surface in Chile back in August 2010. Well, the world watched and waited as every human effort was put forth to find the men to rescue them. 
family rescue workers and others formed a camp around the mine, which they called Camp Hope. They put together makeshift altars with statues and images of Mary, and they prayed the rosary every day, hoping for the miners' deliverance to Our Lady's powerful intercession. On day 17, they heard a tapping on the drill, and when they pulled it up, they found a note the 33 of us are still alive. The incredible news spread as fast as the cave-in. 33 men trapped in a tomb who were thought to be dead now were as though resurrected as Christ died and resurrected from a tomb at the age of 33. With this miraculous message, heavier equipment was brought in and the camp was truly christened with the name Camp Hope. On September the 3rd, 2010, a cardinal celebrated mass near the mine and he delivered through the shaft like an umbilical cord to the trapped miners 33 rosaries blessed by Pope Benedict XVI for them. The rosary, they later testified, was really the only light they had in the midst of their great darkness. In their black hole of darkness, every one of them came closer to God, the light, through Mary. On October the 13th, the anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima, they were all rescued through the intercession of the woman clothed with the sun, Our Lady of Good Hope, the star of the sea. Now in Europe, when writing out dates, they place the day first, then the month, then the year. Europe would write October 13, 2010. In America, they write month first, then day, then year as 10, 13, 10. But it doesn't matter if it's in Europe or America, it's the same date, and if you put a plus sign between the dates, it would be 10 plus 13 plus 10 equals 33. Thirty-three, a divine number made by our divine maker who died at thirty-three, who was entombed in stone and then resurrected from the dead. Through his death and resurrection, he has been rescuing, liberating, and bringing freedom to man through the path of the tribulation of the suffering of the purifying cross. God is allowing his church to go through her passion according to his divine plan in order to bring about a greater good. She will be resurrected. Man said of the Titanic that not even God can sink her, but God said of his church, not even the gates of hell will sink her. But now we must look to Mary, the woman clothed with the sun, and be clothed with her light to assist the church in during Satan's hour, which is the hour of darkness. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.